Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Okay, welcome back to the Decide Your Legacy podcast. Very glad you tuned in. I have a great topic for you today. It's on mental health in the workplace. This is something that has, it's on people's minds. We're in the midst of COVID-19, but this is relevant no matter what time period you're going through. Problems in the workplace, stress in the workplace, mental health in the workplace. I'm gonna give you three things you must know about mental health, about having good mental health, healthy workplaces, and then three things, three actions you can take as a leader or a coworker to help your team that you can apply tomorrow. You can apply today, right away. So if you haven't heard me before, my name's Adam Gregg, and I am a family therapist by training. I've been doing this for over 20 years, been in the mental health field for over 20 years, work with thousands of clients, hundreds of workplace teams. I've been helping out teams for a long time. jumping in, doing teamwork, team building, training, speaking. This has actually even been instigated by me talking to a team coming out in, in 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 a bit about mental health in the workplace and the requests I'm getting based from companies on how do I help my team? What's going on here? There's some problems. So, and as I talk to you today, as I talk in general, I like to speak as if I'm talking to a six-year-old. Not that you're a six-year-old, but I want to talk in terms in, 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 in with rec- recommendations that you could explain to a kid and they would understand what you're talking about. They would understand the application as well. And it's not that you can't, you can talk to your kids, your teens, anybody about some of these concepts and they should resonate. My purpose in life is to help people find transformational clarity and to overcome their biggest fears. And that clarity always comes through relationship and so as a family therapist, building relationships, building connections, very passionate about that as well. I have been, this is episode number 12, and I have been trying to answer a couple questions that I've received in between episodes. So I have two questions. I've actually had more, but I'm kind of summarizing some of them as well because they're more topical. But one is, I fear losing my job and I'm not happy. You know, I'm afraid to lose my job. I'm not happy at my job. There's so much stress in my job right now. But it's my only, my sole income in our household. And what do I do? I'm stressed out. So, hey, you know what? The first thing to recognize is that you are not trapped. The moment you start feeling you're trapped in your current job, that's when despair sets in. That's when all hope leaves and we lose our creativity and our focus. You have to remember that what you're going through now is temporary. You may need to leave your job, but I'll tell you, it's gonna be a lot easier to stay in your current position and find some joy and passion and excitement if you start thinking about your future in a positive light. So if you start dreaming and seeing the opportunities that are out there, and there's great resources and technology, great books. You can use LinkedIn to connect, you can email, you can network, you can go to events, you can explore different career opportunities but don't just 
off the cuff immediately quit your job because you're miserable. Take some time to step back, get some perspective, and to find some hope. Two books that if you have, or actually three, if there's career issues going on for you, well, one of my favorites is called The Dip by Seth Godin, great marketing marketing mind. I love this book called Designing Your Life by Burnett and Evans. These guys are design in the design department or something at Stanford University, and they talk about creating a future, designing your life, and then 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller, another classic on career development. Second question, how do I stop, and this is this is what I get all the time though, because there's so much anxiety out there. How do I stop listening to the fear and the anxiety? It's constant, I wake up with it, and I don't know how to quiet that voice. Well, maybe you've listened to some previous podcasts, but I'd certainly suggest that you do, because some of the terminology in this question makes me think you have. But basically, the You have to, first of all, and this is the good news, is you start recognizing that it is fear that is coming up for you, that it's not you, that you don't have to listen to it. Just the fact that you asked this question is an indication to me that you're on your way to getting some space and to making some better decisions. I mean, you may be making great decisions, but I get the sense that you're in some inner turmoil right now, and maybe it's triggered by career or something that's going on, but you find ways to get some space. And as I talk about gratitude and I talk about positive thinking and all that, well, that's that's all good, but the most beneficial thing you can ever do is is to do all that stuff, be grateful, but also remember that those activities are helping you see that this anxiety and this fear that's chiming in, it's not you. You don't have to listen to it. It's external. It doesn't have to drive your decisions. So that's that's huge right there. And that is gonna be something we're gonna talk about today. But as I go in, first of all, this is mental health in the workplace. And let's just jump right in. First of all, how do you know if you have a mental health issue? That's something I get asked quite a bit. Some things that you can recognize, and you, you probably do see this, is you know, sleep issues. You can't turn off your mind. There's just this consumed by worry. We call it rumination. You think about the same thing again and again, and there's no real solution. You just go back and ruminate and think. You have trouble finding hope in your life and excitement. Things that used to excite you don't excite you now. You can't see the positive you can't see the, the good stuff in the future. Those are all signs. There's some mental health issues. Your appetite can change. Some people, when they're under a whole great deal of stress, well, they eat a lot. Some people don't eat at all. I know I'm one of those guys that doesn't eat much at all when he's under a great deal of stress. Usually I have a very good appetite, but when I'm under a great deal of stress, it goes. It leaves me. Um, people who love you are saying that something's not right. So they're saying, hey, come on. Um, Brian, we're concerned about you. You know, Ben, we're concerned. Adam, we're concerned about you. That can be a sign there's a problem right there. Addiction. Are we consumed, addicted in some kind of activity or substance or person? Or do we consistently get involved in toxic relationships and we don't know what a healthy relationship is? We have an addiction to certain things that are unhealthy in our lives and we know it, but we keep going back. That can be the sign of a mental health issue. We lose our creativity, our problem solving ability can be the sign of a mental health issue, all those things. And what happens when we're under a great deal of stress, which I've shared before, is that there's certain stress hormones that increase and we can sort of get stuck with a high level of a certain stress hormone. It's it's like our central nervous system is on overdrive. We're recognizing it's the startle response. Everything is dangerous. We're shifting and we hear something. It's that's bad, this is bad. We're consumed, we get tunnel vision. We can't see anything outside of what we're focusing on right now because we think we're in danger. 
And that's why we lose this creativity, this ability to actually solve problems. We're just fixated on something. And that's a sign that we have a great deal of stress. And you as employers, and I know some business owners listen to this. I know I've gotten a lot of feedback actually from people who are utilizing the information with their team. Just think, what are you? What do you see amongst your employees? And I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of this. There's a lot of this going on. People are fixated on what could happen next and they don't think it's good. They think it's bad. They think it's bad. And they may in the culture they work in, it may be bad. I'm not saying it isn't, but this fixation is toxic and unhealthy and it's something that they can break even if they're in a very unhealthy culture. You can still work on it. So, and to think about it for companies, think about this. This is like this is like a big deal cuz cuz for a company, when you have mental health issues that are ongoing, I mean the cost is significant. The cost is significant. It costs you productivity. You may have bodies at work and they may act like they're doing some some stuff, but reality is is they've lost a lot of their ability to be efficient and to be creative and to actually enjoy their work, which makes people more efficient and makes people want to come to work and that passion spreads, it's contagious. So it's it's a huge cost there. It can be a huge financial cost. So one of my good friends from college who I just talked to in the, over the last week was telling me about a, a mental health issue of one of the executives, I believe, on his team. He's the CEO of a company that I think has two or 300 employees. And this one situation that got out of hand, cost significant legal fees, and then the time for him and his, his uh, he, he co-owns the company, I believe, so him and his, his co-CEO was just significant in solving this issue. So, and I mean, you've seen that. You've seen how, how much time and energy can go towards dealing with one problem employee when there's one issue, whether it's alcoholism or stress or just some kind of toxicity. So, and also the third thing, the cost to companies, if it's not addressed, it spreads. If it's not addressed, it spreads. I mean, you don't, you don't nail it and do something about it. It's going to continue to spread to other employees. And what I want you as an owner or as a, a team leader, as a coworker to think of is there are things you can do to get ahead of this before it gets out of hand. Because you may be sensing some of these things now, but if you get ahead of it and you start to turn the ship, I mean, it's slow because you may not see the, the acute problems that are coming because maybe you think that eventually everything's going to turn on its own, but I'm telling you right now, there's so much anxiety and fear out there that there are a lot of things under the surface that if you recognize it today, and I'm really encouraged you're listening because you can get some inspiration and motivation from this to go ahead and turn things right now. And so, you know, in the U.S., crazy thing is you may be even hearing this right now, but depression, anxiety, these things are, are increasing significantly than in a typical year. And I think when we, when we look back on 2020 and some of the statistics, I mean, we already know that suicide, completed suicides in, in the U.S. at least have gone up significantly. We do. But we don't have kind of the final statistics. Obviously, we're only, you know, two-thirds of the way through the year. But it's not going to be pretty, I think, when we look back. And it's unfortunate but because I believe that most things, most mental health issues with a healthy culture, with people that are, are loving each other, reaching out, that they can prevent so much. And so uh, keep listening. You're going to get some great ideas and information. So one, some things, three things you got to know about mental health in the workplace. One, one is that, is that first of all, you can't go it alone. 
people cannot go through things alone. And right now, you got people working at home, you got teams that are short staffed, you got people that are, are, are trying to do too much work by themselves. So you got some problems going on. And, and this isolation is, is gonna cause mental health issues. In fact, you know, the thing, I, I kind of broke it down, the four major mental health issues at work that I see right now and that I've really seen in the past is, but especially right now is one is isolation. One is isolation, less interaction, people going into survival mode, trying to do things on their own. They're working from home. There's not enough social interaction. That's that's a big one. Number two, being overwhelmed. Your team is overwhelmed. Some of them, some people are doing the job of three people, four people, that it, because staff has been eliminated or minimized, or there's been transition. They're overwhelmed and they don't see a way out. They feel backed into a corner. Never good for someone's mental health. There's always hope and there are always options. Sometimes that's leaving. And that is an option and that can be an encouraging option when you're in a real toxic situation as well. So the third thing is negativity. In your own head, there's negativity. What's gonna go wrong? You know, what's going on here? And there's negativity with coworkers as well, which spreads, as I mentioned. And the fourth thing is this uncertainty, which I'm seeing because a lot of times employers aren't as good as they think they are. And some of them do an excellent job of this, but they leave people in an ambiguous, uncertain situation. So they don't know what the future holds. And really, I know some of that can't be avoided because a lot of employers don't know what the future holds. They don't have an idea. I mean, they're worried about their jobs sometimes in leadership positions. And owners are worried about revenue over the next year as well. So they can't give concrete, factual information, but they can sure try to give as much as possible so that they're not leaving and not keeping their employees in the dark. Just knowing that can correct significant problems, just knowing that ambiguity creates anxiety. But this uncertainty leads to fear and that spreads as well. People are worried about the economy, their jobs, all this stuff. So, but back to it, the things, one thing you gotta know is do not, do not allow, don't go it alone. Just know you have to go with somebody else. When we isolate, fear magnifies. You know, and I've mentioned this before, but just some challenging things that I've had in my personal life over the last five years have led me to doing some things that I would never recommend a client actually do. And one of them was just isolating, is feeling so much shame that I wouldn't talk about what I was going through, I wouldn't talk to my family, I wouldn't talk to my friends. I would just interact at the minimal level, thinking somehow I can work through this. And that led me to being stuck in my head, it magnified, it made me have more fear because all I would do is concoct these situations with that I would tell myself, if I let go and I open up to people, they're gonna judge me. If I open up, they're gonna look negatively on me and my family and all these challenges that I've gone through over the last few years. So I just kept it inside, but it didn't help. And I was at the same time going out and speaking and saying, don't go it alone at the same time. I mean, I was living as a hypocrite because I had so much shame. You don't wanna do that though. You gotta find a way to be around good, positive people. And for anybody listening right now, one thing I would encourage you to do is to make a list of people in your life that you know are gonna be encouraging to you. And this can be groups or it can be actually specific friends. And I'd love for you to have a list of five in each category, five support groups, and then five people that are friends that you can talk to. And you know that the quality of your life is significantly gonna be impacted 
by the time you get with these support networks, with these people in your life. Because this, this isolation is, is, is huge. And I would say when it comes to anxiety, the best medication that you can ever have with anxiety, the best number one thing you can ever do is, is healthy relationships, supportive friendships, supportive groups of friends, people in your life who speak truth and are positive and, and are gonna love you. Because the brain, I will tell you, it functions on three things. I mean, oxygen and glucose. And the third thing, which I'd say is even more important than oxygen and glucose is, is healthy relationships, is connection, is bonding with people. Last night, I actually had a call with a bunch of fraternity brothers from, from uh, college, from University of Oregon, and we, we had a great time, you know, and it was awkward. It's the third time we've done this. It was awkward. Um, there were new guys that hadn't come to the first time, but I'm sensing relationships being rekindled. These I haven't talked to some of these guys in 20 years, but last night we did this silly little activity where everyone who came, and I think there were 10 total last night, they brought some kind of memento or a picture or something that represented their life and uh, a story. It just gave us some insight into their life. And so people brought different things. One guy had ski goggles. One guy had a picture of a trip to see a, a New Orleans Saints game with his son. And another guy had um, had um, some awards from a, he coaches water polo um, and had won a bunch of awards as a water polo coach for his high school in Seattle, in the Seattle area, the school he coaches at. And we were talking about these things and, you know, as awkward as it was, it was like, this is healing right here. You know, we, we made an effort to connect and we talked for probably an hour and a half and guys had to go. And of course, you know, it was, it was a, there were moments of silence and things like that, but everybody I would suggest was probably really glad they did it. But the reason I mention a story like that is it's awkward, it's hard, yet it's so important for your mental health. And you as bosses out there and as coworkers, a few actions you can take. First of all, get people engaged, do something, get through the awkwardness. And if, if you wanna find ideas to get people engaged, I'm gonna link to a blog post that's been extremely popular that I probably, you know, uh, I don't know how many downloads of it, but 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 in the in the tens of thousands, I believe, and it's on 11 icebreakers at work meetings and social events. And everything, every icebreaker listed on this is also stuff you can do over a, vir over a virtual meeting. And if you run a team and you you don't like this kind of stuff, you, then, then get over it because, because you have to be the person who models relationship and connection with your team. There's no, there's no way you can be a leader without modeling connection. I would, I would, I don't care what your personality is. I don't care what excuse you have. It's going to be awkward, but you have to do it. And you have to be the one who pushes through the awkwardness because there will always be people, even on a team of three people, most likely there will be people that say at some level convey some kind of negativity and you're not going to be able to take that personally. Because if you push through and you believe and you have this vision that connection is more important than my discomfort, then you're gonna do some things that lead you to get people to connect. You don't need more than 10 minutes to do most of these icebreaker activities. You can do things virtually and you should because a lot of you have teams that are working virtually. So you can have a 15 minute huddle 
where you actually do an icebreaker or you talk about something that happened over the weekend or you share something positive with a team member that they accomplished and you find a way to push through that fear and get out there. Because if you want to connect and build relationships and you truly believe that support does heal, it does help with anxiety and we got all kinds of good results out there with different support groups, you know, anxiety support groups, Weight Watchers, Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon, all these things that have been around for so long because they get results. And you may have had a bad experience with one, but even there, I would, that, that that's because most likely, it, did you stick it out? You know, did you truly try to push through the awkwardness and try to really engage? And maybe you had a bad experience and it wasn't your fault and all that, but that's fine. There are bad apples and everything, but the concept of making connections is still gonna stand. And you need that for your mental health. Team leaders, you can do this. But remember, you have to be vulnerable as well. You as leaders and people have to be vulnerable if you're gonna make connections. You know, I set up this thing with these guys from college. It was vulnerable in the sense that I could have gotten rejected. And in some ways I did get rejected because probably half the people that I reached out to didn't respond. I could take that personally, or I could say, hey, well, 10 people did respond. And that's really positive. You're not being vulnerable unless you can be rejected or hurt or embarrassed or something can go wrong. You have to put your heart out there to love. There's no other way. And I am no expert on this. Believe me, I am no expert on this. There are a lot of people listening that are much better at this than I am. I can be one of the more guarded people that I know. And I know myself pretty well. But I can get so negative about reaching out and what can happen that I can isolate every day, in fact. I mean, there's temptations to isolate every day. So the second thing that you got to know about mental health and and well, first of all, actually, let me go back. The first concept is don't go it alone. You cannot go it alone. And what you can do as an individual as well is you can just engage, engage some friendships. Talk to somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Reach out, stay connected. I mean, find a support group, find something on Facebook, find something that's gonna make you feel really uncomfortable and actually do it. Find a golfing group, find a running group. Find something silly, like you're gonna go and take a cooking class with some strange people at the rec center, wherever you live. But you gotta do something and you gotta go for it and go in with the mindset that something good could come out of this. It may not be all bad. Sure, something bad could happen. But if you approach it thinking something good could potentially happen, it's gonna change your orientation. But the second thing that we gotta know about mental health is that it's essential to get some space from your thinking. And I know that anytime you listen to a podcast from me, you probably feel like I talk about the same subject again and again. But I'm going to talk about it today because it's so important and because it, I can't talk about mental health without really getting into what's going on in here. And what's going on in here is a lot right now for people in the workplace. So we got people who are worried all the time who are thinking all the time. And your brain was not designed to be solving problems in the middle of the night and at 2 a.m. It needs a break. And a lot of you are asking your brains to do way too much, to do way too much. I mean, I recently talked to a buddy and he shared a story with me about some, about a, a basically a breakdown that he had. I don't think he had shared it really with um, anybody except his really close immediate family and super high functioning guy. And he was in a position where, um, in a leadership position within a company where he just had too much, too much going on and couldn't make it through. And I mean, he talked about it with hope. Like, I want people to know that anybody can have 
serious mental health issues if they don't take good care of themselves. And taking care of yourself is going to be consistently trying to work on what's going on in your head. And what's going on in your head, you have some influence over, but you can't control it. I mean, sometimes when I speak, I'll make a little bet with people in the audience. I'll say, you know, I will give you, I will give you $5,000 cash and, and, and I have it and I will make sure it's given to you by the end of this training today, if you can just win, if you can do one thing for me, okay? And you have to make a bet and you have to swear and you have to be willing to, you know, to, to really tell the truth here, okay? So, and I actually, it, it's an activity they have to do for the whole, for the entire next day, so I would pay them the next day, actually. So they have to do it for that whole day. And so basically it is if, if they can go for the rest of the day from this point in this training until the end of the day without having one negative, anxious, worrisome thought, without the use of substances or tranquilizers or anything illegal, then I will give you $5,000 cash. Because, and no one has ever taken me up on that bet and I've given it to thousands of people because nobody can actually do that. And if anyone tells you that you can just simply live your life being positive, they're advocating some kind of mind control, they're full of it. Run from people like that. Don't ever talk to a coach or counselor that's gonna tell you you can do that because it is not true. It is not true. So much of what you think is just random and it's based on your past. It's based on things that have happened. You've been hurt. Something bad happened in the past that you don't want to happen again. And these thoughts come to you or something reminds you of something else. You can just see you know, a beige picture on the wall and then you start having negative, a negative reaction and then you realize that it reminds you of somebody in your family's house who mistreated you when you were a kid. And you didn't connect those dots until you talked to somebody else about it and you were wondering why you had such a strong reaction. Our mind's super powerful. It can do that kind of stuff. So if we think we can control it at that level, then we're mistaken. And it's extremely active. So the, the average mind supposedly has 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And the average mind supposedly of those thoughts, positive, negative, neutral, they're about 90% the same in style and content as they were yesterday. And we can do things to actually change them some. But as I mentioned before, one of the best things and the most important thing, and the reason that I advocate for being grateful and for being around positive people and reading positive books and doing things that are encouraging to others, um, serving others, be, reaching out, loving people, having good people around you is mainly because when you do that, you're gonna start recognizing that much of, you th much of the stuff you think isn't really accurate. And much of the stuff you think, you won't react to. You'll actually make intentional decisions that are contrary to your thinking because you have so much good stuff going on in your life. You start to overpower the stuff. But just the fact that you recognize that this stuff is not true, I shouldn't be focusing on this, I don't need to focus on this, this is not me, I don't have to listen to this junk in my head it's not me. Just the fact that you recognize it is 70% of the battle. Because I would suggest that most people don't even recognize that this stuff going on in their head is not them, is not true. It's external to them. It's the psyche. It's the ego. It's something different. It doesn't come from a place of health. Most of it is a bunch of crap. I would hate to, I hate to say when you when you do something productive with your mind like solve a problem like or prepare for something or prepare for a meeting prepare for a date night with your wife prepare for a time with your kids 
then then you're doing something productive with your mind where it's solving a problem. A lot of people who have overactive minds, they get involved in addictive behaviors because that's the only time they get their mind to rest. So they do things over and over again to get some space from their mind. But what do you have to do here? You got to figure something out. But first and foremost, get some space from it, something. And I am a fan of taking time to pray and taking time to meditate and going on walks and doing things like that are mindfully mindful type activities. I know I grew up in a in a Catholic family and a couple people in my family pray the rosary and consistently and and a couple well one of the same people goes on walks consistently and I know that's an activity where she gets space where she gets to see that she's worrying about things that she shouldn't be worried about she gets to let go and I'm not advocating any specific denomination I'm just giving you an example of what people do some people swim laps to get space in the pool some people run some people read they read poetry they do things. I mean, there's some great apps out there as well, like Oak and Calm and um, Headspace that can be just super good if you do them consistently. And what I like to do is think about, well, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. I just focus on my breathing. I pray. I do an app sometimes. I do different things, but I try to have 10 minutes to just, I'm stepping away. I'm recognizing my thoughts and my mind just goes crazy sometimes. I mean, just like all these things that are bad, I gotta solve this problem, this problem, that problem. But just the fact that I sit down and my mind goes crazy is super positive because I'm recognizing that it's not me. I don't have to get consumed by it then. So we do certain things to get space from our thinking. We do certain things to get space from our thinking. And, you know, I remember um, even just recently thinking in my mind that somebody was gonna reject me, didn't wanna see me, and it's somebody that I used to be really close with. I had a little bit of distance in the relationship the last few years, and I saw him for the first time yesterday. And even as I interacted, I was thinking, man, you know, they're upset. They don't they don't like this about me. And then it was a really warm interaction, and everything that I was thinking just just melted as I as I went and had that interaction. It was like, what was I thinking? Don't believe every stupid thing that you think. Don't believe every stupid thing that you think. I mean, it's gonna cause problems if we believe it. So actions you can take. One is you can create and do this intentionally. Try to get some space through some kind of mindful activity, meditation, prayer, something like that, but do it consistently. You can take an action of doing some of these, the daily five and five. Highly recommend that. Highly recommend creating a positive vision for your future. Taking the time to step back and think of what it could be in five years. And you can't do it rigidly, but you can just step back and say, here's what I'd like it to be and dream some. Bosses and coworkers, here's what you got to do to get them out of their heads is you got to listen. That's one of the things you got to do is listen. Listen to what they're saying and ask questions and try to hear from your heart. Try to paraphrase and summarize. A lot of people, if they just have somebody to talk to, they get space from these worries and fears and they unpack them. Don't feed them. Just show them that you care and that you want to hear what's actually going on so they can get space from it. You can provide some training to your team and providing training like this, um, even giving them access to this podcast, you could recommend that they listen to something that's going to give them some space on being positive, on encouraging each other, on relationships, some kind of training that supports them. Even if it's just five, 10 minutes, something encouraging, you could discuss it with them, but it has to be something you do intentionally when you don't listen to the negative voice and you get 
engaged with them so you can encourage them. You can post things that are encouraging. Quotes and poetry, positive stuff can give you space from that negative voice in your head because it's reminding you of a different perspective, which helps you to get that kind of space. So the third thing that you gotta know when it comes to mental health in the workplace is, is that first of all, people are beating themselves up and they are neglecting their own self-care and their own self-worth because they're so stuck in their head and because they're isolating and they're not doing what they need to do to love themselves. They're not putting themselves first, which I would suggest that you do. So you have to find a way in any environment where people are encouraged to put their own needs first, not the company's needs first, to actually put their own needs first, because if they do, and they do take care of themselves, then they are gonna benefit the company and they're gonna benefit all the constituents because they feel refreshed and they are at a good place. So their mental health being a priority is gonna help them to be a better teacher, a better assembly worker, a better boss, a better principal, a better general manager, whatever it may be, because they're getting some space. And taking care of yourself, first of all, a lot of times when we're doing things, and I've shared this before, we get external validation from other people that we're looking for consistently, yet we need, what we really need is internal validation. We need to find ways to remind ourselves of our worth. Activity I like clients to do is to say, what in your typical workday are the energizing things? And what in your typical workday are the draining things? And that simple activity of finding ways to really connect with if you have a full days of activities that you knew you know and you identify there are these four or five things that I know encourage me and they give me motivation well just do those things start shifting it so you can do some of those things that are more energizing for you and I get it you got your boss on your case sometimes and you may have your boss's boss saying these things have to be prioritized and if all of them are drainers then you know, it's probably time to shift and look for something and a job and a role basically that's gonna have more opportunity to have energizers. But you can just identifying those things on paper or in some format can start giving you some hope that I can make some shifts in my job, I can delegate, I can do some things to better care for myself. I would do that personally as well. What energizes you personally? And how can you do more of those things? What drains you personally and how can you minimize some of those things? Those relationships, those activities, those things that you know and you dread to actually engage. You just gotta identify those things. Those things, Because we forget what we want. We get so busy that we forget what we want. I like to call this radical self-care. And radical self-care means you're gonna do intentionally those things that help you feel loved and valued and give you that internal validation, regardless of everyone outside, you're gonna still do these things that you know you need on a consistent basis. It's radical because it means making a decision to prioritize yourself. That's a big deal for a lot of people. And especially when we're sucked into the negativity and we're consumed by the fear. We don't wanna do that because we don't feel safe. And so we wanna protect ourselves rather than take care of ourselves. Taking care of yourselves requires you to get out there and be vulnerable. So what can you do here? I've already mentioned some. You can schedule your energizers, minimize your drainers. You can identify about five activities that'll take two to three minutes that you can do when you're stressed out and overwhelmed that help you to step back 
and engage more positive activities, things that give you some space. And those involve people generally, and they also involve your own self-care and your own mental health, your own mind work, stepping back from the negativity. I wanna link to an article and it's on what to do when you're when you're mentally overwhelmed, some activities, and also some radical self-care activities you can identify as well. And you can just go through and mark the ones that you think will work for you as well. And it'll give you some space. So you can do that. Bosses and coworkers, you gotta model this to your team. That's an action you can take. Model it to your team. Take breaks, prioritize your own self-care, be willing to go home early, Regardless of what people think, be willing to go to the doctor, get a flu shot. If you do that, I don't care. Um, but play golf, take a day off, go on a vacation, even when you're overwhelmed. Because as a leader and as a coworker, that's going to spread. You are a role model, whether you like it or not. People are going to watch your life, and that's a great place to be. You know, we are much, it takes a lot more energy. It takes a lot more energy to be negative than it does to be positive towards yourself and others. It really does. You burn a lot more mental calories being negative than, than being positive. Take care of yourself. In summary, don't go it alone. These things you gotta know about workplace mental health. Do not go it alone. Don't allow your team to go it alone. Get space from your thinking. Help your team get space. And those relationships help people get space. Best anxiety, remedy is connection, connection with people. And then be your own best friend, prioritize your own self-care and do that on a consistent basis. Consistency is key. If you found this helpful, which I really hope you did, please subscribe to the Decide Your Legacy podcast. Share it with your friends. If you're interested in me and this topic, please subscribe to our newsletter, our, our e-newsletter at at decideyourlegacy.com. When you do that, you will actually get three free eBooks. One is on uh, five days to overpowering anxiety in your life, um, life balance tips, and you also get 50 excellent relationship building questions. So tell your friends about that as well. Also, if you are interested in this topic being brought to your team, me or somebody on my team, one of my coaches can come and talk to your team in a small group setting or a large group setting on mental health in the workplace. And we'll do some activities with the team, get this stuff to sink in deeper. And uh, done that with groups as small as eight and as big as uh, 300. So we can do that over Zoom or live. Next week on the Decide Your Legacy Podcast, have a very special, exciting situation. I have a guest. It's actually my first guest. It'll be episode number 13, and her name is Susanna Matthews, also known as the Date Maven. The topic is going to be fear and rejection, embarrassment, fear, anxiety, basically in relationships, and more specifically in dating romantic type relationships. And so it's a broad topic because I think, and I know, you know, this applies to people in business settings, sales, family relationships, but her perspective is gonna be excellent on the topic related to romantic relationships. And so we're gonna get to do that together, talk, I'll ask some questions, we'll both share. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So please tune in, tell your friends about that as well. Everything I've discussed today, all the links and the worksheets and the information is going to be in the show notes. Check those out. Check it out in the show notes. You can reference that, pass it along. Um, some great resources for you there. You can subscribe, a link to subscribe as well. You decide your legacy. Nobody else. You get to decide. Not fear, not anxiety, 
not your friends, not your family. You get to make these decisions. You decide your legacy. If one thing was helpful today, apply it and don't wait. Make a commitment. When you make a commitment, you take the option of not moving forward off the table. Make a commitment, move forward. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. 